Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown, also broadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. This is our Match Day 15 recap and I'm your host Jim McTeer. The Match Day finished with the biggest game of the weekend as Atletico Madrid took on Barcelona in the prime time Sunday night fixture. We've got a packed show for you as we'll be visiting Mallorca, Seville and beyond but we'll start with what happened at the rainy Wanda Metropolitano and we'll start with a match report from the stadium from the legal lowdowns, Sam Leverage. Full time at the Estadio Wanda Metropolitano, where Atletico's early dominance didn't count for anything at all in La Liga. It's Barcelona who leave with the three points. Lionel Messi scoring the decisive goal with a strike from the edge of the box late on in the 85th minute. Follows on from last season, where Barcelona scored all three of their goals against Atletico in La Liga in the final five minutes of the game. And it was the case again at the Estadio Wanda Metropolitano tonight. Atletico Madrid had their chances. Mario Hermoso hit the post just before Gerard Pique did the same at the other end. And Atletico looked to be the better team for much of the first half. They can certainly feel hard done by that. They didn't pick up a point, at least on home turf. But it's representative of their season. They continue to disappoint when they look on track to do well. It's Barcelona who go home just like Real Madrid earlier on this weekend, picking up the points despite not playing to their best. And they'll be happy to take back the three points on their way back to Catalonia. Barcelona really will be happy and once again the man delivering them happiness is Lionel Messi. Having scored that goal at the Wanda Metropolitano, he's now scored at least one league goal at every one of the stadiums currently in use in La Liga. That's pretty impressive. To lavish more praise on Messi and to talk about the game in general, here's Roman de Arquer. And Roman, I want to start by discussing the Messi goal. How many times have we seen that finish before? I think we could say that's just trademark Messi. How often does he do that? I mean, going swifting across the box, helping himself out with a teammate who gives him the 1-2 and then just hitting it perfectly with his left foot, the ball going out and then into the goal. And obviously, Oblak could do nothing about that. It's one of those goals that has given Barca so many good moments. Just amazing how he does that all the time. Goalkeeper Marc-Andre Ter Stegen was the other hero for Barcelona. Just how good were his two first-half saves? I mean, all the credit to Ter Stegen because if it wasn't for those two saves, I mean, Barca players and Barca fans wouldn't be celebrating that victory. And possibly Valverde would be in an even tighter spot at this moment. But 
the German goalkeeper was there at the right time, at the right place, reacting how he had to do. And those saves were just incredible. The first one maybe was a bit lucky, but still, as I said before, he has to be there. He has to uh, make the movement in, in order to try and stop it. And he did that. And in the second save, that reaction was just splendid, with, like sticking his hand out. I mean, uh, we're really lucky to have Ter Stegen this season and in the past uh, season where he's saved many of these clear chances for the rivals. How did you think Ivan Rakitic did as he filled in in the centre for Sergio Busquets? I think it was a quite a positive performance from Rakitic, taking into account how he's had a very difficult start to the season, uh, being one of the starters and then suddenly relegated to, to the bench. And he had to step up in an important game, take over Busquets' position, which maybe is not his more, more usual um, place on the field. But I think he delivered. He was really good helping out um, the two centre-backs, bringing the ball out, as Busquets uh, tends to do. And also he was going in, running into the to the box, Atletico's box, now and then to try and get those chances. And he actually had a really good one at the beginning, which unfortunately didn't go in. So I think Rakitic had a very complete game and, and he certainly deserves more minutes, taking into account how well he played. What about Atletico Madrid? Were you impressed by their performance? I was, to be honest. Um, I possibly expected a bit less from him, um, seeing how things have gone for them in La Liga in this past uh, few weeks and, and maybe even months and also in the Champions League where they've uh, come from two consecutive defeats against Leverkusen and Juventus so they were very brave in this game I thought they would be maybe a bit more defensive maybe look for the draw but they created those chances at the beginning maybe they seemed a bit lost but after like 10-15 minutes they were in the game they put um, Barca under a lot of pressure and they, they could have gone up if, if Hermoso had been maybe a bit luckier or if Ter Stegen hadn't been in the goal in front of them. So, uh, good game from Atletico in general. I even like Morata and Joao Felix, which were very participative in this game. But unfortunately for them, the goals didn't go in and they're still lacking that extra, I don't know, maybe touch of luck uh, in, in finishing these chances. But good game from Atletico overall. Is it just luck, do you think, or is there something more that Atletico Madrid are missing to start turning these good performances into victories? Well, as I said before, they had lots of chances, but they weren't managing to score, so they're basically lacking goals. Um, it's interesting because at the beginning of the season, or before the start of the season, I remember uh, the team, or Cholo and Koke in an interview, were saying that the objective was to be more offensive this year, but it's not happening for them. And it's strange because in preseason they managed so many goals against Real Madrid and they had a pretty good couple of games, but now going into the season things have been very complicated and they're getting lots of 1-1 draws, uh, defeats with no goals against uh, teams like Juventus. Um, so, I mean, they have to find that um, extra push ahead they need. And if they get those goals, things will be much easier for them. But it's surprising to see how guys like Alvaro Morata or Diego Costa before the injury, they're kind of incapable or struggling so much to score. But once they fix that problem, I think Atletico will be back on track and will be a threatening team once again. OK, thank you, Roman. That win means that Barcelona are joint top of the table and they're joint top with Real Madrid. Both sides have 31 points after Real Madrid secured their own hard-fought win under the rain. They went away to Alaves, who had conceded just two goals at home all season, and they won 2-1. Sergio Ramos put them ahead, then conceded a silly penalty to allow Lucas Perez to equalise from the spot. But then, Danny Carvajal popped up with a winner. Into the middle, Isco off the woodwork, and the follow-up buried home. It's Danny Carvajal, bloody, bruised, but a goal scorer to put Real Madrid in front again. 
To discuss this match, we have Zach Lowy, the co-creator of Between the Lines. Zach, what has changed for Real Madrid to start playing so well in recent weeks? There are many reasons why Real Madrid are beginning to find form in recent weeks, but I think that the number one reason why is because of time and patience. We always knew that this was going to be a rebuilding season for Real Madrid when you look at the players brought in. Most of them are either coming from different leagues, such as Azar de Premier League or Jovic which with Bundesliga, or they're young uh, U23 players who still have a bit of work to do before they reach their prime, but it's also taken a lot of time for Zidane to find the ideal balance and the ideal shape and lineup for his team. And one of the main reasons why Real Madrid have improved lately is Zidane's introduction of Federico Valverde into the starting 11. He's just been absolutely indispensable in that midfield, providing defensive and offensive balance. He's, he's providing that work rate that we haven't really seen much of from Modric over the past year, which you can't really blame him since he's, he's so... Um, He's not quite in his prime anymore, but it's that introduction of Valverde that has completely redefined Real Madrid's season. What do you make of the return of Isco? How does he fit in? Isco has always been a player of enormous technical quality, but the question has always been, can he stay consistent and, and can he really work in the nitty-gritty games. I think that many people have considered him a luxury player, and many, in, including myself, thought that his his career at Real Madrid was done and dusted, but it has been a pleasant surprise to see him back into Real Madrid's starting 11 over the past few games. Uh, I think that one, one key thing that I'm noticing with Isco's play is his uh, defensive work rate. He's he's getting stuck into a lot of plays, he's, he's tracking back, and he's giving the work rate that Zidane requires from every one of his midfielders. Which of the Real Madrid summer signings is doing the best since arriving, in your opinion? The one player, and there have been plenty, but the one player who has uh, exceeded expectations by the widest margin, for me it has to be Rodrigo Goez. I think that he's currently the best choice uh, for Real Madrid's right wing. Uh, Bale might be a better player right now, but he looks like he's just completely lost all interest whatsoever in club football. And Rodrigo, on the other hand, he's young, he's hungry, and unlike Vinicius, he actually does seem to have uh, some semblance of a finishing touch. Vinicius, for all of his talent, uh, he really is lacking that bit of efficiency in the final third, whereas Rodrigo is really becoming that killer. Thanks, Zach, for that. We've discussed the league leaders then, but there's still so much to get through from this match day. After this short break, we'll be back to talk about Sevilla's latest 1-0 win, the success of the big two Bass sides, and what's been going on down at the bottom of the table. All of that and more is coming up after this short break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. We've already discussed matters at the very top of the table where Barcelona and Real Madrid are both on 31 points. Just behind them on 30 points are Sevilla and they won 1-0 for the second week in a row. This time at home to bottom place Leganes. La Liga Lowdown's Gregor Chappelle was at the game and joins us now to discuss it. Gregor, this was the fifth 1-0 win of the season for Sevilla. Are they becoming the new Atletico Madrid? No, I'll tell you what, if that was... Atletico we were watching grinding out that 1-0 win against Leganes at home when they're really not at their best they're not firing in all cylinders we'd put that down as a classic Simeone style win you know his teams have always been really hard to break down they're, they're famous for it how strong they are defensively and I think that really is what's improved most under Lopetegui this year is their defensive strength and it's making a massive massive difference I want to ask you about the centre-back pairing for Sevilla. Julius Kundi came into the living because of an injury to Daniel Carrizo. But now that Carrizo is back, Kundi remains in the starting eleven alongside Diego Carlos. For me, the Kundi-Carlos partnership is working. Do you see any reason to change it? No, I think he's in the starting eleven because he deserves it. You know, his performances have merited uh, the starting place that he's got. I've been impressed by him. I think Lopetegui has as well. Because he obviously now has the option of bringing Carrizo back. And he's opted to stay with Gundé. I mean, he's big, he's strong, he's good in the air, he's good in the ball, his positional sense is good. His energy is quite impressive. He was up and down that pitch. So, yeah, I think he deserves it and Lopetegui recognises that. And it would be silly of him to change things if they're working. Let's talk about Leganes. I feel quite sorry for their new coach, Javier Aguirre, because his first three fixtures have been Real Sociedad away, Barcelona at home and Sevilla away. And the results have been 1-1, 1-2 and 0-1. They've been fighting hard. Did you see enough to believe that this Leganes team will be able to start collecting points when they face weaker opposition? For example, next week at home to Celta Vigo. Oh yeah, I mean, poor guy. Like That has been a baptism of fire, hasn't it? But, you know, I mean, if I was a Leganes fan, I wouldn't be too disheartened. I feel like there are quite a lot of positives to take from that game. Um, I felt like they, they were brave. 
they were bold, they created a lot of chances and they were maybe a little bit unlucky to come away with nothing. But, you know, like you said, if they can perform like that against weaker teams like Celta Vigo next week, I really feel that they can start to pick up points and try and, you know, get themselves off that bottom spot. Thanks, Gregor. Now, it was a great weekend for the giants of the Basque Country as Real Sociedad and Athletic Club both earned victories to move on to 26 points in 4th and 5th place. Real Sociedad had a derby against Aibar and they earned a 4-1 victory with goals from Robin Lenormand, Mikel Oyarzabal, William Jose and Martin Odegaard. The scoreline maybe flatters Real Sociedad a little considering all four of Real Sociedad's shots on target turned into goals but they got the job done and that's all they'll be caring about in San Sebastian. Athletic Club, meanwhile, they were at home to Granada and secured a 2-0 win. The first goal came with controversy as Raul Garcia scored a penalty, firstly because not all referees would have given a penalty in the first place and secondly because Rui Silva saved the first attempt but it was retaken and converted because the goalkeeper was about an inch off his line when the ball was struck. Yuri Bertici then added the late second to keep the points in Bilbao. One of the weekend's matches that didn't have any goals but that was really interesting to me was Celta Vigo versus Real Valladolid on Friday night. We've got Martin Devlin of the Bucela Escofia fan group joining us now and Martin, Real Valladolid are such a hard team for me to predict. Four wins, six draws and five defeats. That's quite balanced so far. It's nine points at home, nine away and they've had some great results like the draws against Real Madrid and Atletico then poor results like being thrashed by Alaves. How unpredictable is this year's Real Valladolid team? Yet, yet again, Real Valladolid have proved themselves to be very unpredictable. But that's par for the course when you follow this team. We've got one win in five, we've failed to score in the last three games, and with a goal difference of minus four, it's only managed to see us gain four points out of 15. You don't really know what's going to happen week to week with this team, but I guess that's part of the fun of following them. Do they maybe risk becoming a little predictable though in their style of play? In every game this season except for the Barcelona away game, it's been 4-4-2. Yeah, as you say, the only time that they've moved away from the 4-4-2 formation was against Barcelona and we all know what happened in that game. It was an unmitigated disaster, a 5-1 defeat and the players just looked really disjointed and there was no cohesion in the side at all. Very quickly, Sergio went straight back to the 4-4-2 formation for the, the next match. The thing is, I don't think we have the resources to play anything other than 4-4-2 effectively. We've got three strikers vying for two spots, uh, only one of them scoring goals and that's Sergi Guardiola with his three for the season so far, but this has dried up really of late. At the back, I think a lot of fans would like to see a switch in goal with Andre Lunin having sat on the bench since his arrival on loan from Real Madrid, but I think Jordi Masip's going to stay between the posts for the foreseeable future. Uh, There's been calls for Pedro Porro to replace their captain Javi Moyano at right back, particularly for his attacking ability. For me, the midfield lacks consistency. Uh, My ideal four would be Oscar Plano on the left, uh, Michel and Ruben Alcaraz in the middle with Pablo Hervias on the right. Michel seems to be a bit of a mainstay, but uh, Alcaraz is flitting in and out of the side. So I don't think there's a risk of our style of play becoming predictable. I just think we are our own worst enemies at the moment, um, suffering from these personnel changes. I think that needs to settle to give a bit more consistency to the side. Martin, it wouldn't be a catch-up with you without mentioning Mohamed Salisu. What do you make of the rumours linking the centre-back with Manchester United? Would you take the €12 million Euros transfer fee or would you rather keep him? Ah, yes, it always comes back to Mohamed Salisu, doesn't it? Now, this is an interesting one for me. 
Salus is represented by the JM10 Sport Agency, which is run by Juan Mata's father. Now, there's a Man United connection there straight away. Uh, Salus is a left-footed player, so it would figure that Phil Jones would be the player who's most under threat from the arrival of Salasu if he does go. Salasu's out of contract in 2022 and negotiations to extend that have so far been unsuccessful, which signals to me that the player is looking to move on. So, Mohamed may well want to leave for a bigger club, but we've got to remember, we're talking about a player who's played just 15 top-level matches, and he's not even 21 until April next year. I really hope that he does stay. My own, my own opinion is that he should stay and gain more experience and not rush to a bigger club with more pressure, where his career may be affected if he doesn't perform well. However, I do have my doubts that he will stay beyond the end of the season, and if he does indeed leave, I reckon it'll be to another team in Spain, probably a top six side. I don't know how much of the transfer fee would go into strengthening the squad if Salasu was to leave. In the summer, they received about €8 million Euros for Fernando Calero, and the only player who secured a permanent move in the summer was the return of Pablo Hervias from Eibar. But we had six players arriving on season-long loan deals, so the transfer fee wouldn't necessarily go straight back into investing in um, player transfers. Interesting stuff there. Thanks, Martin, for the update on the thinking at Real Valladolid right now. Last week on this show, we spoke to Jeff Gillingham to learn about the mood at the RCDE Stadium, Espanyol's home ground, and he explained that it wasn't good. There's actually no need to speak to Jeff again this week to know that this is still the case. You could tell by the whistles at full time of their latest home setback, a 4-2 home defeat against Osasuna. Listen to this. That should be it. It is indeed the final whistle. And whistle is the word. With the final whistle, the whistles sound out around the RCD Stadium. Espanyol lost at home once again to mean that their eight home matches this La Liga season have ended in seven defeats and one draw. It's absolutely bizarre, and even if their waveform is a little better, they remain in the relegation zone. Another team who, like Osasuna, scored four goals this weekend was Hitafi, and the really interesting thing about their four goals is that they were all from set pieces, as they took on Levante, Leandro Cabrera and Angel Rodriguez scored from corners. Well, Jorge Molina converted a penalty and David Timor slid a free kick under the wall, Ronaldinho style. That made it a 4-0 win for Hitafi over Levante and they're in 7th place, doing almost as well as they did last year. In fact, Hitafi have more points now than they did at this stage last year when they ended up finishing 5th. That there was the sound of Joaquin getting on the score sheet as part of a Real Betis 2-1 victory over Real Mallorca. Alex Fitzpatrick was there at some Mosh and is ready to discuss that game. Alex, this was a game between two teams at the bottom, but do you really think this was a relegation six-pointer? Basically, do you expect Real Betis to still be near the bottom towards the end of the season? A relegation six-pointer? Well, no, not really. In the grand scheme of things, and come what may, that old saying... I don't expect Betis to be anywhere near that relegation zone. They've got so much quality in their side. They've got Joaquin, Nabil Fakir, Laura Moran, Sergio Canales in those front four positions that they just create so much and they are not certainly not goal shy at all. Um, of course, it was a big result for them last week uh, in the final minute that will have given them a lot of confidence when Sergio Canales fired that free kick um, in the stop in stoppage time to get the win over Valencia. 
and they did seem a lot more confident in the game uh, against Mallorca on the weekend. As I said, they've got goals in them, but the big issue that they have, which might keep them down there a little bit longer, is they afford too many chances. Uh, Mallorca had a number of good opportunities, and actually it was Joel Robles in goal who made some key saves, two particularly good ones in the final 10 minutes uh, to, to keep his side in the lead. Real Mallorca signed several strikers in the summer, but Andy Budimir keeps starting. Why is that? Because, to me, he isn't exactly setting the world on fire. Yeah, I mean, Andy Budimir is having a bit of a difficult time of it at the moment. He's seven games without a goal, but he is a very team-focused player. It's not quite working for him in front of goal at the moment. Um, the team tends to be playing in a more uh, defensive uh, strategy in the opening opening kind of 45-60 minutes of the game and then Vicente Moreno's time at Bjork has been characterised by throwing attacking players on uh, later in the game to, to try to get goals and sometimes that comes when Ante Budimir departs from the pitch as, as uh, he's tired from doing the chasing and all of those things that he gives to the team but I suppose the main reason that we haven't seen anyone else come in for Buname is because of the impact that those players have had. Vicente Moreno believes very much in players coming in and taking their opportunity by doing something to pos positive on the pitch to take that shirt away from the player who uh, is the incumbent. The one which might come in or will come in at some stage and possibly take his place or see a change of shape to a 4-4-2 uh, is Cucho Hernandez, um, who was at Huesca and is now on loan from Watford at Mallorca. But he hasn't yet pulled on the red shirt for Mallorca. He was injured on arrival, a uh, hamstring injury, which he's been recovering from under the supervision of the Watford medical team. This week was his first full week in training uh, and he didn't have the green light from Watford yet to to uh, play and, and make his debut for Mallorca. But it's likely to be next weekend, possibly off the bench at the Camp Nou when uh, Mallorca face Barcelona. So I think changes are coming or reinforcements or certainly and a reinforcement in Cucho Hernandez is coming to play in replacement for or alongside Ante Budimir. That wasn't the best performance from Idris Subaba, but surely this is just a one-off, right? Yeah, it wasn't Baba's greatest game and at the end of the, the match when the players had left the pitch and gone back to the dressing room, as I was making my way to do the uh, post-game interviews, I walked past the Mallorca bench and a lone figure was, was sat there contemplating what had been before and that was Idrisu Baba. Two errors in the first 45 minutes that both led to goals for Betis. First the foul, which was... Um, which gave away the penalty in the opening moments and, and then giving the ball away and um, Fekir then broke and, and scored from outside of the box on the counter. I think we've got to remember a few things about this guy. He is a terrific player. He's only 23 years of age. Last season, 11 games. This season, he's started 14 games for Mallorca already. Um, he's also won a claim from, from Ghana. He's been selected for the first time in their squad and started both of their games in the last international break. So I do wonder whether tiredness is coming to it a little bit. But yeah, this, this lad is going to play in La Liga for, his, uh, for the duration of his career now, hopefully with Real Mallorca. Yes, Alex, let's hope he can bounce back. We've one more match to reflect on in this Match Day 15 recap, and it was a derby match. Well, 
sort of. Valencia and Villarreal met each other on Saturday night and even though they're from different cities and even though they've only really been competing against each other for a couple of decades, these two teams don't like each other. It was an intense game as it always is when these two sides meet and Rodrigo Moreno and Andre Frank, Zambo and Guisa traded early goals in the second half. But even though Villarreal finished strongly, Valencia took the three points thanks to Ferran Torres. He made it 2-1 and he made sure Valencia got the win. For Villarreal, it's four defeats and one draw from their past five matches over the past month. With Atletico Madrid and Sevilla next up for them, it doesn't get much easier for Javi Calleja. Of course, we'll be back next week at the same time to discuss that Villarreal against Atletico match, which is taking place in Spain by the way and not in the end in Miami. For now, my thanks go out to all of this week's contributors, to Sam Leverage, to Roman de Arquer, to Zach Lowry, to Gregor Chappelle, to Martin Devlin, and to Alex Fitzpatrick. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and thank you very much for listening.